There's something beautiful about the emotion we call love. I'm on a mission to find out more about how it affects every being. It all starts with perception. What if our perception of the world and its many inhabitants expanded? Every person has a different vantage point. When we truly know a soul, we find knowledge. Asking questions with an open mind is how we learn how to relate to one another. When we identify with someone beyond the surface level, we fear less and love more. We're all teachers. Every person on this planet has something impactful to share. This podcast is about expanding my vision and illuminating the threads that bind us together as a community. Simply put, This podcast is about the lessons in love I learn along the way in my journey of finding my true self. Welcome to Unified Threads. Welcome to episode five, collaboration over consumption. This episode is packed full of thoughts most of which were recorded when I was heading towards London, England in September of 2015. You're going to hear from several different people that I met while I was in London and Cambridge. And you're also going to hear from someone that I met while I was in Montreal. We all have a role to play on this planet, even the plants. So let's start first. Samuel met in Montreal in Royal Park while he tells us a few thoughts on the important role that many of the weeds that we're surrounded by play in our daily lives, if we'd allow them to. We have to open our eyes to see what's right in front of us. It's crazy. You just just say chew on it and then put it on. Yeah, I'll show you. (laughs) And it's delicious, I put it in my salad too. even look for plantain leaves. Oh look, it's all around you. Literally. Boom, 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 boom. And the city, they grow in like cement cracks because they grow where the soil is poor. Mm-hmm. Right. I've seen them in the cement now that I think about it. Like this. Boom. On your boo-boo. Nice. Yeah. Let's do, let's do that. Scrape on my knee. What other cool plant usages are around us right now? <laughs> I want to know these things. Hmm. Well, there's, a, there's always dandelion. Dandelion's super good for digestion and, and uh, detoxifier. So your whole uh, detox system, so your bladder, your intestines, your stomach. If you eat a couple of uh, dandelion leaves before a meal, you'll digest super well and detox at the same time. But it's bitter. It's the bitter factor that does that. Yeah. I like bitter stuff. I'd be okay with that. When I was a little kid, I would always go into the yard and be grabbing, like, all the dandelion flowers. And then I would wash them off and put them in the salad. Try every berry I could. I recently heard that all of the poisonous berries taste really bad and you're not going to be able to eat enough of it for it to kill you. So really? It never hurts to, like, try a berry. I love to hear that. <laughs> doubts are traitors and make us lose the good we oft might win by fearing the attempt. Shakespeare, Measure for Measure. It's finally here, the day to set flight for London. I had stars in my eyes as I boarded the flight from Chicago, thinking, this is it, I'm backpacking across Europe today. Well, tomorrow. I felt a sense of apprehension. I don't know why. I had a a place to stay set up thanks to my friend Caitlin D, who was able to connect to people all over the world thanks to the power of Facebook. I was heading towards Mary and Peter's house as soon as I landed in London. 
didn't have anything to be afraid of. I knew where I was going. There's a little bit of uncertainty there for some, uh, just needing to get in touch with someone, not sure how to use a, a SIM card out of the country, blah, blah, blah. But the fear that I felt, I'm realizing now, as I record this on February 1st, 2016, it was pretty trivial. Heading into the UK is not really like you're leaving a different country. If anything, you're just taking the formality up a notch. It takes money to travel. There's no denying that. Although I have met, well, I haven't met him, but I was introduced via Facebook to a person that's traveling the world simply by walking. Well, I wish I was brave enough to have gone that route, that wasn't in the cards for me, at least for this trip. Now, not only does it take money to travel, it takes money to help. Somebody told me when I was volunteering once that there's people that use money to help, and then there's people that feed off of the blood of those that need help. Our next guest talks about how we can help make sure that the money that we raise goes to the right people. He's behind an organization called CrowdRise. And in case you haven't heard of crowdfunding, it's where people can create small fundraisers online for their organization of choice, and even for themselves. Richard is one of the co-founders and he's going to tell us the story behind this platform, or movement, if you want to call it that, and how we can have fun, help people, and make an impact. So before starting CrowdRise, I started another company called Mooshja. It's M-O-O-S-E-J-A-W. And Mooshja, we were sort of crazy and tried to make um, e-commerce fun. And we sold most of Mooshja a few years ago and decided we wanted to do something better for the world, right, and change the world and have an impact. And we thought that at that time, the giving space was sort of boring, right? Not even sort of boring. It was boring. And even worse than that, it was almost like giving to charity was sort of guilt-ridden and, um, I don't know, burdensome. So we wanted to flip all of that. And we thought that we could change the world if we could figure out a way to make this stuff fun. So we, we actually took a lot of stuff that we did at Moose Jaw and really tried to figure out a way to do all of it in a different space. And the idea was that if you actually liked giving to the causes that you cared about, then you would raise more money for those causes and you would do it more often, right? So that was sort of the catalyst to launching CrowdRise. And we are also obsessed with this idea of building a platform. So typically what happens even now, if you are raising money for a charity, right? So if you're running the Detroit Marathon to raise money for UNICEF, and not using CrowdRise, when your campaign is over, it literally, it disappears, right? You, you, it goes into the ether. You have no record of it. We wanted to build something more like Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, now Instagram, right? And, and so if you run the Detroit Marathon to raise money for UNICEF, and then six months later give up your birthday for another cause you care about, right, for Carmanos, both of those campaigns just show up on your profile the exact same way that your pictures show up on Instagram. So what we're, we're sort of obsessed with is giving people a home for their charitable lives, right? And I think there's sort of, you know, 10,000 reasons why CrowdRise has been sort of crazy. But those two, right, the idea that this can be fun and that you can have this anchor for your charitable life, I think have resonated. Yeah, I mean, I think we were you know, sort of the definition of growing organically. So, you know, the first office was in my bed, right? And then, you know, we moved to an office in 
Birmingham, and it was me and one other person, and then you know, we moved to an office in Royal Oak with more people, and so we just sort of kept growing and growing. Um, now that we're in Detroit, right, and I think we are very passionate about Detroit causes, and we're working on some pretty significant campaigns around Detroit. I think it's a great differentiator for us. I think it's great for the staff. So we have an office in Detroit. We now have a, another office in L.A., and then a bunch of people sort of strewn throughout the country. And we don't really do anything specifically targeted at a certain city or or area, but we have done campaigns specifically around Detroit. So we're really trying to rally for Detroit causes. We continue to be just awed by the degree in which people want to help. It's crazy, right? It's like if we launch a campaign and one camp, if we launch two campaigns, right? And I think this is, you know, I like to think this is um, unique to CrowdRise, right? I think our community is very passionate about cause, right? And we continue to try and brand ourselves that way. But if we launch two campaigns, one is about actually helping an individual with their cause, right? And the other one is a celebrity who's given away some sort of prize still around charity. The, the former will work better, right? I mean, people actually rally like mad to help other people. It's, it's, it's mind-blowing, right? It happens all day long. So that part is really, really cool. And it's like every day you see a new one or multiple. Um, so that's that's the, been the, really the coolest part. I feel like giving back used to be just sort of, I don't know, I guess I would describe it as in addition to people's lives, right? It's something you did once or twice a year. Now I feel like it's becoming part of people's lives, Right. And it's like, uh, you know, I like baseball oranges and I'm passionate about stand up for cancer. Right. It's not something that you just do as a one off. So we're just we're figuring all this out as we go along. No, I mean, you know what? We just we I actually do think like this notion that this stuff should be fun is not just a like a sales pitch. Right. It actually works better when it is. Right. It's sort of uh, we think if, if it's. You know, if it's fun, it'll be in your self-interest to to participate, right? So I just feel like, again, even though these causes are very serious, the more fun you can have with them, the more the more positive effect that you'll have, right? So that's what we try and do uh, with with all the campaigns. Is let's flip this to figure out a way for it to be notable, so that more people will want to participate. So you know, if you or anyone else is engaged in this type of stuff. I would just try and figure out a way to make it fun instead of burdensome. And GoFundMe is awesome, right? But it's really around raising money for people's causes as opposed to solely for charitable causes. So I think that our platform is the biggest for charitable causes. I think theirs is the biggest for personal cause. Um, and also, you know, there. And again, this is no knock on the other platforms. It's just different, right? They, there's, but there isn't a platform in the sense of what we think is a platform, right? It's like you, theirs is not. You can't um, categorize theirs with, you know, Facebook and Instagram. But anyway, um, I think for charitable causes, CrowdRise is the biggest. We are sort of obsessed with this idea of collaboration. I, I don't think. I think this world is insanely siloed, and you can't, you can't make monumental change and drive movement if everything is siloed, right? So we're with the Huffington Post, for example, where they're a fundraising platform. And prior to using CrowdRise, if you read an article about malaria on Huffington Post, there was really little to no action you could take, which is sort of crazy, right? I mean, they have a whole section called impact. We wanted to figure out a way to work with Huffington Post to drive more community, more movements, more money raised for those causes, more awareness. And we've done that with Huffington Post, Eventbrite, the Today Show, um, the call I'm about to get on is that same kind of collaboration. So we sort of desperately want to work with as many organizations as possible. Some of those are organizations you would never, ever think of um, that are just, you know, leveraging their platform to raise money for cause. And some are those that are already in our space. So, for example, there's a site called Charity Buzz. Um, they Raise, they, they're an auction site. We don't do auctions. So that's a perfect example of a company that we're currently trying to collaborate with. So 
um, we are we're basically up for anything at any time. People have asked me if I'm on holiday. I suppose my answer could start being yes, one with no certain end, as life on this planet could be considered a holiday depending on the context of where you came from. That is something I personally feel about this planet. However, then I read, like in the Wall Street Journal yesterday on the airplane, I was reading about the refugee situation and how they've been trying to escape Hungary because they've been mistreated there. The ones that are rushing into Austria are telling social workers that. So obviously that's not a holiday. I'm very fortunate to have been... Yes, I cultivated is the right word. Cultivated since my young adulthood, really since my mid-teenager years, by people that are on the other end of the spectrum when it comes to the way they live their life and believing that anything is possible and working together in community and trusting each other. And that's not something that everyone is around from such a young age. So I'm going to keep coming back to that. I'm, I'm a very fortunate person and I want to figure out a way to pay this forward. Somehow this journey of going around the world and, and le- learning how to love myself fully is a part of that. Learning how to become a whole person is a huge part of that. I don't exactly know how yet. And it may not make itself apparent. It may be by simply going where I feel like my heart is telling me to go, I can be of service. And that is what I am praying and asking for the universe to do for me is please anchor me in devotional service to this planet. I would like to help people. I'd like to help people help people. First, I have to help myself. Speaking of helping myself, I'm going to go back to the ice cream for just one second and say that pouring the Earl Grey over the ice cream was way delicious. I learned on the plane yesterday that there's black tea and white tea when you're ordering tea in England. White tea means with milk in it, not like white tea as we would think in the States, which is a different caffeine level, basically, different type of tea. So I guess I was making my own version of white tea. Mary and Peter are going to cook dinner tonight, and we're going to look at the Eurorail map. They've done a lot of traveling. Mary is from Greece. So we're going to look and see where some attainable routes might be for the 21 days of continuous travel that I'll have will be. So I'm excited to have their input with that. I feel some guilt and some shame creeping up, if I was going to be really honest about how I feel right now. The self-doubt on if I'm really going to be able to do this for a year. If I'm being gluttonous by accepting so much help. If I'm worthy of simply being who I am. I feel like observing these emotions is a good thing. Not reacting to them. Not resisting them. Resisting them, as John Robb says, will only create more karma. I've got to embrace those feelings. Potentially seek out where where the root is of those feelings, which I think is... the same thing that I I don't preach on but I talk on all the time which is that nobody likes feeling like a charity case but why? because people want to help I so strongly feel the desire to help and I'm not afraid to ask for help it's the accepting help that sometimes becomes challenging for me because I start to wonder am I asking for too much am I taking too much that needs to go to someone else at the end of the day, though, if somebody wants to help me, if, if someone's willing to give me directions somewhere and it doesn't seem to be inconveniencing them or donate to support the podcast production and make that possible so Corey can help me weave this story into one that I can always look back on, my family can enjoy, and if someone else can feel inspired that's going through some of the same emotional work as I am, then I need to, to be grateful for that and not allow myself to get sucked into the pit of shame <laughs> there are clues everywhere I've got to keep looking I truly believe that 
there's a divine plan at work. And the master, whoever that is, potentially indwelled within my heart, will take me everywhere that I'm supposed to be. Thanks for believing in Unified Threads, listening to these thoughts. I look forward to finding some community knowledge in London and recording that and sharing it with you all. Namaste. Talk to you soon. I'm more flirting in the house service here. I thought because you like music, I could have left you in. Yeah, I would love to go in. Would it be okay if I left in like 15 minutes though? Or would they be. Are you a student here? I'm not. I'm studying just culture in general, just observing the area. This is my first day in London, so I'm kind of getting my bearings. Which part are you coming from? I'm coming from the Fangirls. Um, Hill area, Hill. But uh, which part of England do you come from? Oh, I came from the United States. United States? Yeah, yeah. I from Why Michigan. Michigan? Michigan. Yeah. I'm Albanian. Albanian in the United States. We are okay. very close. Very close. All right. I, I have family in Texas. Okay, cool. I have family in Texas too. My grandparents live there. Really? Yeah, in Lubbock. And my cousins. Yeah, I was skating by and I heard the music and I was like, I would love to see this place. It's nice to have you more. Yeah, I can imagine. Music is medicine, you know. I was in children, you know, I'm stressed person from all problems I have. I come here, I relax. <laughs> yeah, it's very peaceful. Yeah, I really, like If you are around here, come, uh, come weekends too, because we have children, we have students, we can sit in bench, cafeteria is open, you can have a coffee and relax. So it's called the Trinity Labian, or Laban? We have too many students from the United States. Too many pianists and, and, and teachers, and uh, last year was a very well-known woman pianist. I forgot her name because this one year she committed to therapy for the pianist. She's good on how to open the hands and finger kind of things because some of for too much using the hands you get like like uh, arthritis kind of things, and she was like. Mm-hmm. Very, very good. Nice, nice place. Nice place. So, how do you say the name? Trinity Levin Conservatory of Music and Dance? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, 600 yards from here, we got one other building, but it's modern. Very beautiful building. Okay. It's designed uh, from a well known Herzog and Maron from, from Switzerland. They are among the two most the best architects in the world. They designed. Uh, 2008 Olympic Stadium bird nest in China. Wow. You don't to remember anymore. <laughs> and uh, yeah, Arena Stadium in Munich in Germany. So if you know this, it's called Greek Side Road. Greek Side Road? It's, it's the same, but they do, we got students from all over the world, they do dance, 
contemporary dance. Okay, that's where the dance is. Yeah, yeah, this is. Okay. Because it used to be called Trinity College of Music and Trinity Lab and Dance. After 2005, the company joined together. Oh, okay, gotcha. So we got four, four places, one here, one in Blackheath, one in Negro Smith University in New Cross, and the Lab and Dato. Okay. Trinity, Lab and for Music and Dance. Okay, so the student that was saying she's playing at 10 in the morning for percussion, she's playing at the Blackheath campus, but it's yeah, part of the Blackheath this. Hall. It's Blackheath Hall. Where they do big performance to come to 300 people. Okay. Yeah. So I could go there, watch her, and then come back here, and Definitely, that piano yeah. recital would still Definitely, be going yeah, on. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna do that. This sounds like sure. really good, really sure. good way to spend the day. See, maybe if, if you're not working, if you can can get any job, kind of thing. So. Oh yeah, yeah. That would, and because your your name is Agim, is that you say? My name is Agim. 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 I'm Amy. Nice to meet you, Amy. Nice to meet you. Thank you for letting me no in there. Yet. You're very no kind. Thank you. I will talk to you. Maybe will you be here tomorrow? I'll be here every night, three to ten. Three to ten. Okay, well, maybe I'll see you tomorrow then. Have a lovely evening. They have to take a bigger world view, but that has to come from like an, ind- an individual level. He was talking about non-secular education, and he was, he was really strongly about that, that like religion is separating people and dividing people. So interesting as a kind of like a religious leader, he's like, he says, we need to drop religion from education and people need to be more together by focusing on inner human values and then let them have their religion and that's fine, but let religion not be a thing that, like, is a doctrine for cult, like, for the gets in the way, which is obviously all big problems in the world, you know, are not your wrong thing. He was, that was a big thing, and I thought that was really interesting. Um, yeah, and everything Karen said. He also talks a lot about being more concerned with inner values and outer values, um, and he was saying that that's what needs to happen in education, that education needs to globally from kindergarten through to university focus more on heart-centered matters and 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 compassion and and inner values and that and that will really change the world yeah rather than getting wrapped up in money and success yeah greed and fear and all that kind of stuff yeah and being separate and So those are some quite big, and the birthday thing I did, I yeah. took away as well. But that's yeah. really interesting. And yeah, the other thing I just took away was just, you know, he didn't say this, but for me, I just came away, not even thinking, but today I've just been in this space of like worry less. Like mm. it, it's really tiring to worry. Yeah. And I felt I felt very present for the most yeah. part today. Yeah, I think it's kind of like. Um, yeah, just simplify it and enjoy enjoy the moment because actually, yeah, this yeah all stuff we know, but the history is history. Things yeah, we don't yeah. Know, we can't actually yeah. affect what's going to happen tomorrow. There's no point in worrying about it. So actually, just he did say that, didn't he? Yeah, he was mm. like, it was that the only way that we can we can sort of have some kind of impact on what evolves is by how we operate in the present moment mm. yeah ah, um, so yeah. we have to let go of the past like the past has brought us to where we are now he was like the, he was like my generation have, have made a massive hash of things <laughs> and he was like and you guys got to fit you've got to fix it like the younger generation was pointing to all these kids yeah, he was, and he's like you've got to fix he it he was 80 he was going yeah, my generation's done really you know we can't make any difference now but yeah these kids it's up to you to sort it yeah. out yeah mm-hmm. so he it was interesting because he was like let's 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 focus on the bigger picture and let's look mm. at the future but the way that we do that is by focusing on our inner values in the present moment compassion mm. togetherness in the now mm-hmm. so yeah yeah some onboarding observations Way more people smile at you longboarding than they do biking. Not that I don't like biking, don't get me wrong. I've enjoyed biking around Cambridge. But I took out the longboard today because it's just more fun in my opinion. 
And I notice the contrast. People smile. Not everyone. There's still that whole love it or hate it thing. There's people that don't like it. They look at me like I'm crazy or what are you doing? That's dangerous. But for the most part, I feel like there's more people that smile genuinely. I'm skating along the river cam right now. I'm almost to the Brahma Kumari's house. Not too bad of a skate, only like 15 minutes over to their house. These narrow boats are so cool that people live on. I'm going to take a GoPro video here in a little bit on my way back. It's a little cloudy, but maybe it'll be a pretty sunset. I'm a huge fan of sunsets. So, yeah. I'm going to try not to get this car. Here we go. On the Kamari's house. More people like Uninvited love. Come, my love, come to me by chance. Take me by the hand, lead me to your dance. Take and wash my heart, wash me, make me pure. Treat me as a poison, come and be my cure. For once you have captivated me, clutch my heart for your own. Never let me go nor set me free, make my heart your home. Dress my soul with passion, cover me complete. With all your inspiration, from my head down to my feet. Hold on to me, feel my desire, feel and hold me tight. Know that I will love you every day and every night. Like a garden set in paradise, I shall tenderly nurture you with kindness and softness for your beauty to shine through. Never will you need nor feel insecure. Every step that we shall take will be solid and so sure. In our silence there will be a harmony, a melody of romance, and our words shall be pure artistic eloquence. Our every touch will be a moment of creation, each moment celebrated by angels in elation. Our silken kisses will be woven into a fine tapestry, a testimony of our commitment and all that we will be. At times when clouds may gather, threatening to storm, I shall shelter you in my arms, hold you close, safe and warm. In the years to come, should you ever think love no longer resides, hold my hands in silence and look deep into my eyes. The world that you will see through the windows to my soul will be an enchanted, magical vision of you, the love I've come to know. So come to me, my love, come to me by chance. For if I were to look for you, I would be led a merry dance. When looking for love, I have found, love cannot be found. Love's arrival is so soft, so gentle, without a sound. Uninvited love, as unknown as you are, you are my guiding light, my blazing diamond star. For my life without your touch, without your silken kiss, before I even know you, it's you all the time I miss. For I was made by love, and to love is my desire. And in this life I ex have experienced love's mire. But this will not deter me from answering love's call. Not even if, as it has before, love takes me for its fall. When I see you I will know, my instincts will incite. And I will love you without fear or favour, loving with all my might. Bold, cavalier, old-fashioned. Too much love would never be enough. Come to me, my love. My uninvited love. keeping track of the time of this train. I know I have time. This is a one-stop ride. I only have to walk out of the train over to the coach station. But I feel this level of anxiety observing it. But right as I start to record, the Southern Service calling London Victoria correction three minutes. Yeah, see? Right as I'm recording this thought process, it all works itself out. I got myself kind of worked up into a bit of anxiety. Of like, oh my gosh, well, what if I miss this coach? Then when am I going to get to the airport? So as I observe that, I can see that I'm not fully trusting. To go deeper into the trust, the flow. I'm living life 
in a way that embraces letting go. I gotta let go <laughs> of the idea that when something happens, it throws off my timetable, as they call it in London or in Britain, timetable. Go with it. Be alright with it. Don't let it bring these feelings of anxiety. Or if you, if I do feel these levels of anxiety, just observe them as I'm doing. I don't know what I'm doing. Letting go in the rain. My longboard acts like a really nice little holder for my smaller backpack. I can lean it up against the wall and hook it on the wheels. It's the backpack that has my gear in it, my little mic case and laptop, my books, my journal, <laughs> my tiny journals, my meditation beads, all of these things that over time I think I'll slowly start to pare down as the weight gets too much. One of the things I was warned about is some really new stuff with someone you don't know. Even if you think you know them, take your money belt. So far, I haven't taken my money belt out of my bag. <laughs> I've been saying with friends with friends, and well, they're now my friends too. Well, even using the word my, that has a connotation of. The part of the community that I'm a part of. co-creating that together as collaborators. Collaboration is key. Correction. Expected 27 minutes. Okay, that changes the volume slightly. Platform 11 for the 0521 Southwest train service to Shepparton via Wimbledon. Hmm. Calling at Bellsfield, right. Wimbledon, Rains Park, Time to live it now. Going with the flow. Hampton Wick, Pennington, Orwell, Hampton, Canton Park. get into what's called repeatable patterns of behaviour mm-hmm. and how that gives people either positive or negative outcomes and they talk about reflecting how you behave and the only and what is reflection so reflection is I suppose when we encounter a problem and we have to think about our prior knowledge in order to deal with a problem that we don't necessarily know how to how to how to kind of um, solve mm-hmm. and that could be anything it could be as a teacher it could be dealing with a problem child and so you need to start questioning what are the things that I'm doing that are constantly creating an outcome that is not what's desired. So there, there is where you get your reflection. But yeah, anyway, there's a study by these two people called Anne. They're, I think they're partners, Anne Burlack and Harold Burlack. And it's called uh, The Idea of Dilemmas. And it says reflection. Uh, this is specific to teaching, but I think, it, I think you know, what is teach, well, who is a teacher? It's not necessarily someone who's in a school as you talk about mentors. So reflection is a fundamental necessity for professional teachers, or anyone really who needs to impart knowledge, because there are no simple prescriptions concerning what best education practice might be. So you don't understand, you know, you know to unpick that, 
it's a constantly changing environment. So that is what makes the job both so interesting and challenging. A particular useful way of conceptualising the reality of these daily struggles is through the concept of dilemmas. Uh, and it goes into what dilemmas are. And basically it talks about this guy who um, encounters... He's, he's a teacher and he has sort of negative reactions towards a child and how that then perpetuates a negativeness within a child so he's got more negative reactions towards the child and it's very interesting and the other thing is reflecting this is from a guy who's really really big he's pretty huge in um, the whole idea of being a reflective person is Donald uh, I can't pronounce his name but it's S-C-H-O-N with an umlaut on top um, let me just read what There was something that he said at the end of what he was talking about. So he basically talks about um, levels of reflecting, how you how you how you change what you're doing um, in order to produce an effect that you want. So he talks about knowing what you do, in knowing in action. So if you're going to apply that to someone who, or apply that to someone who has like negative experiences, that person will go throughout their day without much concern or much um, inquiry as to why they're doing the things they do. Mm-hmm. Similarly, you're not going to say to someone who uh, is, I don't know, amazing at ballet. Once they've learned their profession, they're not going to go right. Well, I do this bit here because they're not going to assess it with a sort of. They couldn't necessarily go through all the criteria that they that they they need in order to in order to um, perform the thing they're doing. It just happens naturally. They don't unpick all the time what they're doing. Mm-hmm. However, he talks about that being an overlearned thing because if you're if you're a doctor and you just do your day to day thing where you're you know exactly your role, you know exactly what you do day in day out. You you um, you just do the same thing and you never assess or reflect on what you've done then the danger there is that you may go into repeatable patterns of behaviour and that can be applied to anyone regardless of whether they're a professional or not you fall into repeatable patterns of behaviour where you constantly do things that uh, in, uh, that result in, in an error whatever that error is it could be an error in that you have an argument with someone or a, basically a negative outcome and it's not until you start to unpick and look at the parameters in which you're operating and try and recognise that you're doing things that or one is doing things that uh, that have a cause and an effect to it before you can change them. So you do need to be reflective in what you do as a person, regardless of whether you're a professional. Well, you don't, you don't need to, but I think it's, I think if you want to be happy, I think it's a really important thing to, for anyone to do to be reflective of who they are and constantly check in with themselves about how they get how they see the world and how they in, interact with people. Are they happy? It, I think it, uh, because until you question that. Um, and check in with yourself all the time. You're never going to change it, mm. I don't think. Yeah. Uh, I guess that applies to a lot of things. But this, I mean, this book is really academic and it's really focusing on specifics of teaching. But he talks about... Um, where is he? It's like you said, I mean, anyone really can be a teacher. I think we all get put into situations where we have the opportunity to teach something. Absolutely. And I also think, you know, I've been a teacher. I've been a teacher for God knows how long. I think you know. I graduated from drama school in 2010. For five years, I've been doing all sorts, but definitely teaching was a big part of that. And just now, I'm doing a qualification that means that I can have the word teacher attached to me. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's largely. Um, it's probably a business move for me, but it's also. I mean, I'm finding it fascinating now. But for me, it was largely okay. I need to justify to people. Mm-hmm. I need to have a qualification to do what I already do anyway. Mm-hmm. But and that's just the world we live in. But. Um, yeah, we go about spontaneous, intuitive performance of the actions of everyday life. We show ourselves to be knowledgeable in a special way. Often we cannot say what it is that we know. When we try to describe it, we find, us, we find ourselves at a loss we, or we produce descript, descriptions that are obviously ina- ina- inaccurate or inappropriate or inadequate. So our knowing is ordinarily tacit and implicit in our actions. And, it just, and he basically talks about if you want to be a reflective professional, then you need to review what you know and question your processes in order to for the next time you encounter an unknown phenomenon that you're trying to solve a problem that you're trying to work out you can rely you can question your prior experience and 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 affect you know
standing at the train station in Clapham on my way to Victoria, where I'm going to catch a bus down to Luton Airport, where I'm taking a flight to Copenhagen. It's on Ryanair. It's my first experience. I paid more to check a bag than I did for the actual flight. So this will be my first time of Ryanair adventuring. Just going to see how this checking thing goes. Quite reminds me of the time that Rhea Beckwith and I flew to San Francisco and had all of our stuff strapped to our backpacks so we wouldn't have to pay for carry or for check-in on Spirit Airlines. So I'm not quite there yet. I still have this idea in my head that being gone for a year I need all these other things. Platform 12 carrying. for the 0501 Southern service to London Victoria. Calling it London Victoria only. Platform 12 for the 0501 Southern service to London Victoria. Two minutes to go. So yeah, still have this idea in my head. Okay, I'm going to all these countries where it's cold. I need the warm stuff, so I'm carrying the warm stuff. Gotta have a few pairs of clothes for once I get to the hot country. So I've got the warm, the like cool weather, or like hot weather stuff. But I know I'll keep pairing back, and then I've got all the gear. Maybe when I get to Asia, I can find a less expensive laptop, like tablet thing that'll work because my laptop's pretty hefty. So far, the unfolding continues. I had an amazing conversation with Julianne, Colleen, and Andrew last night about a lot of stuff, about you know, the psychology of, of children and play therapy and, and peeling back those layers as an adult of, of who you are or who you thought you were. And a lot of that's a storyline that you carry with you. It's not really who you are. This ties really well into everything that I'm researching, I guess you could say, or digging into. Very grateful for the Kerr fam and their flatmates for inviting me in, making me yummy food. Colleen took me on all kinds of adventures yesterday to her favorite places. We wandered around Harrods. That was crazy insane. Totally other level of living there. Definitely cannot afford that, but it was interesting to observe. Then we went to the Natural History Museum where there's Darwin collection and an amazing mineral collection. It's funny, she's like, oh, this part is boring. And I was like, this is, this is exactly what I would want to see. So it's funny to see from person to person our ideas of what we love. And then we went on a little excursion to Surrey where we picked fruit. That was really fun. Got some British strawberries, which are amazingly yummy. And blackberries and apples and plums. And we took a drive through Richmond Park where we got to see deer. There were stags everywhere and some little babies. It's very cute. I went back home, chilled out, made some tea, made dinner. Well, they made dinner and I <laughs> talked to Andrew. And it's had a, like, really, felt like a really nice family time. Definitely felt community in that flat, the mansion flat, in the mansion block. So gratitude, gratitude, gratitude. That's what I'm feeling right now. It's 5.01 a.m. on what day is today. I have no idea at this point anymore. I think it's the 22nd. Yeah, Tuesday, September 22nd, 2015. Love to everyone thinking about my animals back at home. Olivia and Kirby Blue and Yeti. Yeti's such a cuddly cat. He's at Central Park Dog Daycare and hopefully he's getting cuddles there. Olivia's a very sensitive boxer. She also loves to cuddle and give kisses. You know that she's getting lots of love from her parents. Kirby, he's not much of a cuddler. He's a Shih Tzu that kind of does his own thing but independent, but he loves his people, and he's fiercely protective of his sister in a weird way, his sister being Olivia. They get into their little ruckuses sometimes, but deep down, he really loves her. And then Blue. Blue Bonnet is a ragdoll who I've had since I was eight. 
going into the Greeley Animal Shelter and seeing her in the window, knowing immediately that she'd been waiting for me. She's been with me everywhere I've ever lived, all over the United States. Ended up going back home, if you will, circling back to my family to stay in Michigan. She's had some, some health things, which is very normal and would be anticipated with a cat that's 17. She's like my guardian angel. She keeps going. Olivia loves to give her kisses in the face. She's a sweetheart. I miss her so much. Funny story of how I got her. When I was eight, living in Greeley, Colorado, we were finally going to be able to get a dog. For the first time, we had a house that was ours. It was a, a mobile home, and they were going to allow animals in this mobile home park. And I remember being told, okay, you can get a dog, and my sister was going to get a cat. But first, we have to go on this family vacation in Colorado. So we can get a cat first, because the cat can be left for a few days, but the dog we're going to have to wait on. So we go to this animal shelter in Fort Collins. My sister adopts this calico kitten. She names Marmalade bring her home and I'm like you know trying to get her to come up to me and everything and I'm feeling pretty pretty jealous now that I look back I decided that day you know what I don't want a dog anymore I want a cat so I my mom said are you sure you want the cat instead of a dog and I was just yes I wanted a I want a cat which I'm very glad for now because blue has been my constant my saving grace if you will so many different times so we went to Greeley Animal Shelter different shelter from where we went from my sister but since I decided so late in the day that's where we decided to go and it was all very fortuitous that I saw Blue like I said sitting under the window seal all by her lonely little self she was so laid back I remember my mom carried her all the way through the dog kennels she didn't even scratch or hiss or anything I could put her around my neck like a scarf a bunch of other kids there that were all trying to do the same thing adopt a kitten they wanted blue several of them tried to train be the kittens that they had and I said no this isn't she's mine she's needing to come home with me and what I realize now is as an adult she was never mine it's more that I'm hers I was her person to be a healer friend I was her person to Stand away from the train Support. at platform 12. This train is not in use. Stand away from the train at platform 12. This train is not in use. This train is not in use. Hmm. I wonder what that means. Guess I better go figure out what's going on with my train. Peace and love, everyone. I appreciate this gift and appreciate the gentleman that took a bit of empathy on me and gave me a bag that just so happened to have my lucky number on it. Once I got through security, I was prepared to bolt to where I needed to go because gates would have just closed. I was about six minutes past with my ticket set. A man standing next to the monitors helped me understand the different way the information is displayed on the UK. Monitors. Couldn't figure it out. It's like, where is my flight? It says 10.30. Is that right? Wait, I thought it was the gates were closed. I'm so confused. We came to the conclusion that it was actually delayed until 10.30. So after all of this rushing and what felt like chaos getting to this point, I'm thinking, wow, all along, if I would have just been following my own advice to have faith, I could have avoided all of this triggering. I could have had been kind to so many more people along the way. You live and learn. Every day is a chance to practice. So thanks for the lesson this morning, universe. I'm grateful for every uncomfortable moment that you gave me and the reminders to slow it down. 
I continue to vow to cultivate grace and remember to demonstrate empathy whenever given the opportunity. I'm sitting here in the airport thinking of the people that are fleeing their countries. Many of them probably without a clue where they're going or how they'll get there. They may not speak the language. They may not know how to read the signs. How trivial was my quest to get to the airport this morning in comparison to this. Most of them do not have an individual voice. They're being called a swarm in the media. A term that Andrew, Julianne, and Colleen and I were discussing last night that seems to make them less human-like and relating these people to animals that many people have a fear of. What the four of us discussed last night is that these beings are just like us. They're humans struggling to find inclusion. The plight is so much deeper than the one I experienced today. I feel silly being stressed about any of it now, especially that the flight is delayed. I mean, it's so silly that I worked myself up for all that. There was no reason for it. There are many people on this planet that have a reason to feel panic. I don't. I have no one waiting on me in Denmark. No one is chasing me out of Britain. This is a chill out reminder that I've needed. Stop taking it so seriously. Let go. As I continue to forge my own heart-led path, I must remember that the proof is in the walk, not the talk. My heart and my love goes out to every being on this planet that has a feeling of fear. From those that are running from their countries that are in turmoil, to those that don't know where their next meal is coming, to the ones that are lost in the sea of emotions, trying to find their way to a happiness place that sticks. Namaste. Thank you for listening. And please, if you get a chance to help a person find their way, whether it's as simple as giving directions, maybe buying a little bit of food for someone, or taking someone in that has nowhere else to go, consider it if you get the chance. You never know whose life you might transform forever. This episode has been made possible by Central Park Dog Daycare in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. A big thank you to Lee, otherwise known as the Homeless Bard, for sharing his poem called Love. He writes his heart out on the sidewalks in London. We met in Speaker's Corner, and you'll hear his story in the next episode. Also, thank you to Andrew and Putney, England, for sharing about spiral curriculum. And friends met at HeartSpace Twickingham, for sharing about how they felt after meeting the Dalai Lama. This episode is dedicated to my late grandfather, John Burke. Papa taught us all that you can accomplish anything as long as you don't care who gets the credit. He was a living example of how much you can be of service simply by sharing space with someone. We love you, Papa Burke. The spirit lives on in each of us.